on 104.5 FM and 1440 AM WAJR. This is the talk of the town. Welcome to Morgantown AM. Everybody talks, everybody talks, everybody talks. From today's news to tomorrow's happenings, we're talking about what matters to you. To join the conversation, call us at 304-296-0041. Now, here are your hosts for Morgantown AM, Dave Wilson and Sarah Giosi. Well, that's at least 50% right. I am Sarah Giosi. Dave is out this week. Special assignment, as he likes to put it. And I will be running the thing solo here. Pretty exciting week, you know. It's our last Monday before we get into Christmas Eve and Christmas and all of those wonderful things. Dave will be back next week, so he will be here for the Christmas Eve show. Don't you worry. I'm sure it will be full of uh, wonderful holiday antics and maybe even a visit from Mr. Claus himself. So that will be a good one. Otherwise, just happy Monday, everybody. Not too bad out there. We, we've already hit our high for the day, so it's only going to get colder. We will have a couple of those days this week where we'll still be in the 50s and maybe even seeing some some rain. But then I saw that by Saturday we should get a little snow. I don't think it'll be a white Christmas, but as we get into the weekend and get closer to Christmas, it'll start to feel a little bit more like Christmassy weather, which I'm okay with. Again, Dave Oud, Sarah Giosi here. Uh, today we're going to be speaking with someone from the Secretary of State's office, actually one of the attorneys, and we're going to talk a little bit about the West Virginia Address Confidentiality Program and what that means and why that's so important for us. We're also going to, a little bit later on the show, have Ryan Wallace on. He is going to give us an update on yesterday's city council meeting. They did that again yesterday, 9 a.m. Botanic Gardens. And again, they, they have some trouble live streaming from there, so that wasn't accessible in that way. So we're going to get an update to find out all of the happenings for that. If you have anything you'd like to add, at 1440 WAJR on Twitter, WAJR AM on Facebook, or you can always give me a call, 304-296-0041. And because we do have a pretty jam-packed show, I want to go ahead and squeeze in some of these headlines for you here. First of all, there was a chase in Harrison County um, that now has law enforcement in multiple counties looking for a suspect who abandoned, abandoned his vehicle in Marion County. So uh, more information about that on our website so that if you see this person, perhaps you can help find them. Legislative preview is now available at WVMetroNews.com. number of issues are expected to be highlighted this session, uh, though new majority leader Amy Summers from Taylor County has said that her prime focus is repealing the inventory tax, finding a way to make it revenue neutral due to the funding that tax provides schools. Yeah, again, that that's a big conversation that we've been having a lot. You can hear Hoppy talk about that quite a bit. It is. It's a, it's a big question about how are we going to fund these schools since that tax, I mean, that that's a huge part of that revenue. So we'll keep our eye on that one. Summer is also talking in the Dominion Post about her desire to remain on the health committee rather than traditionally joining the finance committee like previous House majority leaders have done. She's an ER nurse by trade and feels like that is where she belongs. So we'll see what happens there. And then finally, WVU looking to ban vaping on campus. I've been wondering when this is coming. We we have the no smoking ban, and I've been wondering if, if this was going to be coming down the road. Board of Governors passed the initiative on first reading, and now it will go through a review period. So, yeah, I think it was only a matter of time. Those are your headlines for today. 
Uh, speaking of headlines, I guess, kind of, and we'll talk about this with Ryan Wallace a little bit more later, but I don't know if anybody saw the Dominion Post this morning. There was a bit of an airport update that came out of the Morgantown City Council meeting that took place yesterday morning, 9 a.m. again, Botanic Gardens. I know a lot of people were concerned, at least we heard a lot from our callers, concerned about the fact that it was 9 a.m. on a Sunday, very difficult for a lot of people to attend a meeting like that. And difficult for the sake that it's also, it was placed in a location that made it impossible or unlikely that they would be able to live stream. Even video access was very complicated. So there were some challenges because I think there's a lot going on with our city right now that that people wanted to hear about, which again is why we're going to have Ryan Wallace on to update us a little bit and tell us more about what did happen at that meeting. But one of the things that came out of it was a little bit of an airport update. So according to city manager Paul Brake, dirt should begin moving at the end of September to start on the 1,001-foot runway extension. Now, he mentioned that the relationship with the federal IRT is likely over. And this was the big thing for me, raised some red flags there. I just have some questions about this. Since the training program had been touted in previous airport conversations as being one of the only ways this would be a successfully funded project, we kept coming back to that, oh, but we've got this IRT partnership. And so now without that, I'm not really sure what that looks like because we are talking about free assistance to help cover that $31 million project. And that's money that, I mean, I don't believe the city has that kind of money, but I guess we'll find out more about that. Break cited a delayed timeline on the part of IRT as a reason for the split. And I do understand that. I'm one of the first to say that I'm frustrated with the delayed timeline happening at the airport. But my question, it becomes very financial. Oh, side note, he did also mention that their most recent application for IRT help was denied. They did actually apply for more and it was denied. So I guess I'm just wondering where we are if we don't have that funding support. There is an application out to the Federal Aviation Administration, but we don't know what percentage of that project they will approve. Brake is hoping that they're going to cover 70%, and that would leave the city with about 9 to $10 million to cover. But that's a lot of money, 9 to $10 million, and I'm not sure how we cover that. He mentioned the creation of a tax increment finance district, and he thought that that could potentially be the answer. But maybe I'm understanding this wrong. Doesn't that mean we would need to have a property tax or a sales tax in that district? And so my question is, well, then where would that district be? Because if we're talking about the airport property itself, what there would have property or sales tax to cover 9 to $10 million? So I'm, I'm either missing something or there's just still some questions out there. But we won't find out about what percentage the FFA will take care of until the end of March 2019. Doesn't leave us much time to figure out funding. So is that money being built into the budget somewhere? Are there other ideas floating out there for how to fund that? Those are all questions that I have. And again, we can address some of that with Ryan Wallace. When he comes on, maybe he'll have some some clearer answers about the budget and, and anything that perhaps he could help shine shine some light on that whole topic there. But the good news is airports being talked about. That's wonderful. <laughs> Hopefully we can talk about it in a way that we can actually find some solutions to funding and get this thing going. So those are your headlines. Ryan coming on in just a little bit. In the meantime, we're going to fit in our first break now. When we return, 
Maureen, Assistant Director of the West Virginia Secretary of State's Administrative Law Division, is coming on, and she's going to be talking to us about the WV Address Confidentiality Program, why this is important, what this is. We're going to get all the details next, right here on Talk of the Town, WAJR. Now back to the Talk of the Town, Morgantown AM, on 104.5 FM and 1440 AM, WAJR. Sarah Giosi here on your Monday morning, 923 now. Dave is out this week. He'll be returning for our Christmas Eve show on Monday. In the meantime, I'm holding down the fort at 1440 WAJR on Twitter, WAJR AM on Facebook. Or you can give us a call, 304-296-0041. And now we're going to have a conversation with Maureen, who is the Assistant Director of the WVSOS Administrative Law Division. And in her role in that division, she manages and promotes the West Virginia Address Confidentiality Program. Good morning, Maureen. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Good morning. Good morning. So let's start off first with letting people know what the Address Confidentiality Program is. Seems like a good place to start. (laughs) Okay. It's basically a substitute address provided by the Secretary of State's office um, that offers a mail forwarding service to um, victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, stalking or human trafficking um, that are attempting to escape from that situation. Um, it allows state local agencies to accept the address without disclosing the victim's actual location, which will prevent an assailant from using public records as a means of finding them. And what kinds of services are provided through the ACP here in West Virginia? Aside from the substitute address and mail forwarding service, a participant can register and vote through the program. We can assist with DMV transactions and um, assist with transferring children to different schools when relocating. Well, that's really important. So you mentioned voting through the program. So mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about how that works. This is something that I think sometimes people have questions about if they're changing their address, they have a confidential address, do they still have the right to vote? Obviously they do, but how does it work then? Well, we get cooperation from some great county clerks that actually support and help us. We accept the voter registration application and then work directly with that clerk in providing a safe way for the participant to vote. They can either vote by absentee ballot, or if they would like to, they can go into the polling place that day and vote in person. One of the reasons we're talking about all of this this month is that, and and for those of you that don't know, October is National Domestic Violence Month. But there tends to be an increase in domestic abuse in the months of actually June and December, right? Yes. And so this is a really good time to be talking about it because there may be people out there that are really, I mean, victims that are maybe new victims or this is just now becoming a a very big issue in their life. And this is an important time to discuss it so that they know right away that these services are offered. As you start to think about general physical care and mental and emotional care, there's also this side of it to protect you from future incidences. Right. It's it's all about safety planning, um, and that's the most important thing. Our program works with 
uh, application assistants that are domestic violence advocates that work in the programs um, throughout the state. They take a training that our office provides, and then it gives them a tool in helping somebody trying to escape from that situation uh, develop a safety plan that's going to keep them safe. And how many of those registered application assistants do we have here? Right now, we have 62 registered application assistants in about 26 different counties throughout West Virginia. We've always had the goal of having at least one assistant in each county, and hopefully we'll get there. But the program is not limited to those counties where there is an application assistant. We will work it out. We can get them to work with an assistant from another county. We wouldn't turn anybody away just because there's not an application assistant right in their county. Again, we're speaking with Maureen, Assistant Director of the WVSOS Administrative Law Division, working with the West Virginia Address Confidentiality Program. And if you are a victim out there listening, or perhaps this isn't the best way to word that question, if they're not listening or you're somebody that knows a victim, what is the best way to help them know about this program to get them resources? They can always call our office. We have information on our website, sos.wv.gov, or find a local advocate and, and start working right there for some immediate safety planning. And, and again, I mean, we had some, some folks on over this summer, um, and then we did have some folks on as well in October, and we were talking about domestic abuse. It, it's, it's a very large issue in our area and in the state, and we talk about this a lot, cyclical issues. So when we have certain poverty levels or when we have um, higher issues whenever it comes to our opioid epidemic, things like that, we often see those types of things start to waterfall into also adding to our domestic abuse situation. And nationally, one in three women and one in every four men have experienced some form of domestic abuse. So I think sometimes we think, you know, not that it's not a big deal, but it's it's not as common. But actually, this is a really common issue. And I'm sure that you have a lot of victims that you're able to then help and support. Is that true? It, it is. And at least we have the ability to get them connected to an advocate that can really help. It, it's kind of networking. It, it takes a lot of people to work together to come up with a good, safe plan. Are you looking for advocates? Is that something that if someone's listening and they're interested in supporting or helping, can they reach out to you about that as well? They can, absolutely. I can get the information to them right away. All right, because that's that's another thing. We have a lot of people out there that could maybe volunteer and help in that way, especially if that's something that your your heart is feeling called to do, because, again, it's so important. Well, we thank you, Maureen. We really appreciate it. And, again, we will maybe hit back up with you in June or another time to remind everybody about this, because it is something I think you take for granted or you don't even think about, but it's such an important piece of this overall holistic health whenever it comes to victims. So thank you so much for all that you're doing. Thank you very much for having me. All right. That was Maureen, the assistant director of the West Virginia Secretary of State's Administrative Law Division. And again, in her role in that division, she manages and promotes the West Virginia Address Confidentiality Program. 
Um, if you wanted more information about that, we will link to some of that on our Facebook page. And again, you can always download our podcast there on iTunes. She gave us all of the info about how you can reach out, whether it be to be an advocate or if you're a victim and you want to find out more about how to get um, into the West Virginia Address Confidentiality Program. All of that information, part of that pod, part of this show, part of that podcast, you can grab that. And again, we'll put it on our Facebook page. If you have anything you'd like to add, at 1440 WAJR on Twitter, WAJR AM on Facebook, 304-296-0041. Coming up in just a couple of moments, we will have a conversation with City Councilman Ryan Wallace. And we're going to get an update from him. They had a meeting yesterday, Botanic Gardens. Talked about a number of things. Airport came up. Um, I want to find out and, and see if any more talk came up about budget in general. So we'll talk about all of that. And if you have any questions, you can let me know about those. Again, 304-296-0041. But he is kind enough to come on and give us an update from that meeting let us know what sort of the big highlights were, big talking points were coming out of that. So hang tight. That is coming up on the other side of the break right here on Talk of the Town on WAJR. Covering news, sports, current events, and more, this is Morgantown AM on WAJR. Good morning. Sarah Giose here for Talk of the Town. Dave Wilson out all week. We'll be returning for our Christmas Eve show, and that should be pretty fun. Christmas Eve is always a fun time. We'll take your calls if you have any good holiday stories to share with us that day. Uh, last year we called, let's see, called Dave's grandma. This year I think we're going to call my grandma. Haven't told her that yet, so we'll put her on the spot a little bit. She's a hoot. <laughs> and we will also, I believe, have a special visit from Santa Claus that day. So it should be pretty fun. Uh, probably not talking too much about the hard-hitting issues on Christmas Eve. We'll have, we'll have a day where we can set that aside. But don't worry. We'll be right back to it because I'm sure uh, Dave's, you know, disappointed. He's missing out all week on all of the wonderful things we have to talk about. Uh, some of those wonderful things will include an update from Ryan Wallace about yesterday's city council meeting. We're going to check in with him here just a moment. Just a reminder, if you have anything you'd like to talk about, at 1440 WAJR on Twitter, WAJRAM on Facebook, and 304-296-0041. Number to give me a call here. And we do have on the line now Ryan. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Sarah. I'm sorry if I made you stressed there. I was just able to call in just now. Oh, no, I wasn't stressed at all, I promise. <laughs> really. Okay. Right. So, no, I'm happy to have you on. I'm really grateful to you for taking the time to do this. Yesterday was a city council meeting, 9 a.m. at the Botanic Gardens. We talked about this a little bit with you. Was that on Thursday maybe last week? Um, yeah. Just, you know, it was a, a Sunday morning meeting, so not a, not a ton of public maybe was able to make it, although you can address that. Maybe there were a ton of people there. Um, there were not a ton of okay. people there, no. It was uh, it was held at the very um, lovely West Virginia Botanic Gardens um, Conference Center, or, or at least the main building there. And I think we had three or four members of the public uh, come, but it was primarily city council and city staff. So we had... Um, the city manager, city attorney, and some of the department heads uh, joining us. 
We'll talk about what some of your biggest takeaways were from that, but I do want to follow up. We we talked a little bit on Thursday. I believe you were going to request maybe video getting taken on that. Was that able to get worked out? Do you know? No, it wasn't. I'm sorry. I did request that, um, but it is a bit of a logistic thing to bring the equipment out there and set it up. Yeah, um, and I, I know with the Wi-Fi live streaming was next to impossible, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. The I guess the second best thing that we had was the uh, presence of Ben Conley from the Dominion Post. He was there, and he put his uh, audio recorder out on the table. I'm sure that he's not planning to post that audio, but mm-hmm. I'm sure he used it for um, for his report on the meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took some notes. And, of course, there's the, the strategic plan interim report document that's a public document that was released. So there's the highlights of the meeting itself. And okay. we did pretty much stick to the, uh, to the script, uh, talking about our progress in each of the nine areas, uh, strategic goals that we had originally set out um, about a year ago. All right. And uh, so let's talk about some of those. What were your biggest takeaways from the conversation? My biggest takeaways were um, it was good to see some of the things that we have uh, achieved so far. Um, we had a pretty ambitious plan about a year ago to address things like uh, cooperative relationships, excellent city services, uh, annexation, vibrant downtown, basically nine sort of categories of um, of goals that we wanted to achieve. And the city manager went through a sort of interim report on uh, the specific action steps, you know, estimated start and in current status or, or comments in all of these areas. So there were actually several. Um, it's going to be impossible to to give an overview of everything, sure. but um, I'm sure this document will be available if it's not already, um, and you can probably download that from the city website. I apologize. I haven't checked yet, but it's the interim report. It's called Strategic Plan 2017 to 2019 Interim Report. Um, my my uh, favorite stuff was probably uh, regarding annexation, honestly, because it's one of those big topics that um, I believe has been unaddressed for a long time. And um, there wasn't as much specific stuff as I as I was hoping for, honestly, because it's premature. We don't have the, uh, the results and the analysis that we need for that. But it was very nice to see that uh, the city, is, city staff are preparing a plan. And I believe we've actually hired the services of an accounting firm to, to explore uh, what it's going to take to to do some minor boundary adjustments and what sort of impacts that's going to have on the city and on the area to be annexed, et cetera. So that was probably the highlight for me. Well, and, we because I remember through... a while ago there was a conversation about setting aside something, maybe it was like $30,000, you, you might be able to jog my memory there, to hire a consultant to look into some of this. And this is now what you're saying is that that's going to be moving forward with a data collection piece of the process. That's correct, because annexation isn't something that you just do willy-nilly. Um, you probably realize there are lots of considerations uh, both for oh, how yes. you're going to provide city services and what the costs are going to be and what sort of impact that's going to have on, on the area to be annexed. So the the firm, I believe, is Grossman, Yannick & Ford. Um, that's an accounting firm, and they are preparing a report to be completed uh, December 31st. So end of this month, we hope to have the uh, analysis for the proposed minor boundary adjustments. 
And what are the um, next steps from after that analysis? Does it just depend on what the analysis says, or um, it somewhat? But there's more to more to be done as well. So that analysis is basically looking at the projected numbers uh, that that will affect the city budget in terms of revenue. So they're doing uh, an assessment of comparing, you know, B and O tax, property tax, etc., in the proposed annexed areas versus you know, known numbers that we already have within the city to project what sort of revenues um, the annexation would produce. That's their end of it. Our end of it is to prepare similar numbers for the expense side. So talking to the department heads about um, how many new personnel we would need to hire in order to provide services in, you know, in these areas and what sort of um, expenses in terms of infrastructure or, or any expenses would be incurred. And that's, that's going to take a little more time. That's city staff completing that um, assessment. But I believe the city manager said in February um, we would have more of that information. And then by March, I believe we're supposed to have the sort of complete package put together for submitting to the county commission at the end of the first quarter in 2019. Okay. So we'll definitely be talking a lot more about that. Um, as you yeah, guys are working forward on that. You know, definitely. And this is one of, one of the concerns I have, and I mentioned this in the meeting, is that we involve the public and inform um, everyone of, of what's happening. I don't want to spring any surprises on anybody. And I think that uh, if you're going to have cooperation and um, input from everybody, you need to inform them. You need to let them know. Um, I keep saying transparency is a big thing for me because it is. And so even with a, a you know, potentially controversial topic like this, um, my theory is to discuss, to inform, to get feedback, and uh, ultimately improve whatever we do. So, I mean, if the answer is going to be no, then, then we'll know why. If the answer is going to be yes, then we'll be able to support um, that finding as well. Because with so, annexation, another big piece of this puzzle, of course, is buy-in. Buy-in from the people that you're trying to annex and or if you're going a different route and you're doing, for lack of a better term, forced annexation, then that is something that it still involves buy-in with, with county. There's always the, uh, the need for buy-in, yeah. yes. I mean, that doesn't mean that annexation is a popularity contest necessarily, uh, particularly when the county commission is looking at it. It's not that everyone has to want to be annexed, but you are looking for um, the benefits and the detriments. So, you know, who's for it, who's against it. And, you know, the county commissioners can speak to this more than I can because they're familiar with this. They've, they've analyzed minor boundary adjustment requests uh, before. But I understand that, um, you know, the input of the people affected is one of uh, seven categories that they look at when they're considering whether to approve a minor boundary adjustment. And that is, just for clarity, that is the, um, the method that we're choosing at this time uh, to pursue annexation through minor boundary adjustment. And did you have specific areas that you're targeting whenever it comes to data research? What, can you be more specific? For, for minor you... boundary adjustments, did you have specific areas that you're looking at, obviously, annexing? Okay, so there are several um, tracks, you know, contiguous to the city limits that we're identifying 
but we don't have the final results yet because it is going to depend on the results, both from the counting firm and from our own um, analysis. So I I don't want to uh, raise any alarms and, and say, well, yeah, yeah, this particular parcel, because we don't have that the final results yet. Okay. Uh, so let's go back. You were talking about the goals that you had set, and you were feeling pretty confident about some of the things that did get achieved. Talk to me about some of the achievements. Okay. So, um, well, I was happy to hear that some of the, the little things, perhaps, that Bow Park has been uh, able to achieve and some of the big stuff they already they have scheduled. Um, we have bids submitted for the Krebs Park uh, Kids Splash Pad, you know, the one that was uh, closed. Yeah. Mm-hmm last year because of the rust, et cetera. Uh, we have bids out for that, and uh, I'm told that it will be ready next summer. So that was good news for me. I wanted to see that uh, happen. Uh, apparently, Marilla slides have also been uh, resurfaced. They are now super slick and um, not just repainted, but resurfaced. And the Bow Park Foundation has been created as well. So I understand that Bow Park is looking for people um, to staff that foundation, and that will be instrumental in helping Bow Park identify and, and conserve funds for, for Bow Park uh, operations. They're also uh, evaluating Marilla Pool for potential upgrades. Okay. Um, another thing, I don't know if this is a, a recent achievement or just a continuation, but there's a cooperative zone between WV Police and Morgantown Police where uh, the WV Police have the same law enforcement powers as mm-hmm. the MPD. So the, I think this is in particular in the areas like uh, the frat houses, fraternity houses. And so they have the ability to um, respond just as the Morgantown police would. Um, what else? Oh, and that's the been airport, going on for a while, hasn't it? It is, uh, but I think that they, you know, I, I apologize. My notes are a little sparse here. I think that they now have uh, ordinance enforcement abilities in those cooperative zones, I okay, think so it's just taking it a step further. That's what the update was. I don't want to misspeak on that, but I did note it, so um, <laughs> there must be something there. I'm going off my notes, and you know my handwriting's mm-hmm, yeah. not not the best. Um, the airport. Uh, happy to get an update on that. Um, we are closer to uh, FAA approval. I believe that we will have a press release for that in the first quarter of 2019. And um, this is for the runway extension. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we hope to be prepping for site work in the third quarter of 2019, the fourth quarter, and probably actually moving the ground. And it's we're moving a ton of tons of dirt um, early 2020. Now, part of that update, uh, maybe you can help add some clarity to this. So there was conversation about the partnership with IRT. And, of course, this is a $31 million project. And now it sounds like maybe that partnership, we're we're not going to keep moving forward with IRT. Um, And some of the things cited had to do with timelines just not moving as quickly as we wanted. But my big question then comes back to funding. And I know some of this will will have to do with what the FFA can come back with. But Brake actually, and this was on the front page of the Dominion Post, uh, he was – expecting maybe that they would cover about 70% and that would leave the city with nine to $10 million to cover. Was there further conversation about where that money would be coming from? Is there money being put aside in the budget to help start to look at those costs? Talk to me a little bit about that. 
So to my knowledge, we don't have a specific fund set aside for, you know, for that portion of the, of the expense. It is a significant one. Um, I, if it's you sure it's nine million, I don't know exactly what it is, but I know it'll be a chunk of change. That's what he was quoted saying in the Dominion okay. Post. That's where I got that one. Okay, okay. Um, I don't know exactly where that money's coming from. I have to be honest. It is an expense that we want to pay for as responsibly as possible. Um, we got a bit of a budget update, a financial update yesterday, but it wasn't the the full budget update. And we are preparing for the upcoming budget process. So I'm going to be very interested to see what sort of plans we have for that. And this, honestly, this is another reason why I want to look at the possibility of implementing a sales tax and reducing some of the B&O tax so that we have another revenue source uh, for things like this airport expense. I mean, we all want to have nice things. We all want to have a good Mm -hmm. airport. Uh, we don't want to go into huge amounts of debt. We want to be responsible with our money. And at the same time, we can only cut expenses so much. At some point, we know we know we have to look at increasing revenue. So when it's time to consider you know the airport expense or other big ticket items, we need to be we need to have a revenue source identified for that. So I would like to look at that and. Um, and maybe dedicate a portion of any revenues that we could generate from sales tax to things like uh, the airport. We've, we've only got about a minute left, and, and I, I want to move on to other things, but I do want to just ask one more question about the airport here. So do you think that then – I'm a little bit confused about the IRT partnership. I do understand the timeline, but the financial significance of that partnership – that going away, is that something that would be readdressed as maybe trying to work with them again? I know that there was an application submitted and they denied it, it sounded like. Maybe you just have some more of those fine details about why we're not going to move forward working with IRT anymore. And again, sorry, we've only got like 30 seconds. I'm so sorry. We'll have to get sure. you back on. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to come back on. In fact, I probably should because I don't want to misspeak on that topic. Okay. Um, that that issue does predate my time on council somewhat, so I'd have to go back and get some information. Okay. My my understanding, my limited understanding is that that simply isn't an option for us anymore. Um, I can talk to the city manager and find out exactly why and, uh, and come back on and provide some updates. All right. And I'm sorry, we're out of time. I will definitely get you back on soon because there's a lot more to discuss. And I know a lot more came out of that meeting. Um, and again, I'm just really grateful to you for taking the time to come on, give us the updates that you have. And we will definitely be checking in again very soon. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. Unfortunately, I'm just running out of time, everybody. I will be right back on the other side of this break with a quick wrap up here on Talk of the Town, WHAR. Coming up at 10.06, it's Metro News Talk Line with Hoppy Kerchival. Now let's return to Morgantown AM on WAJR. Sarah Giosi here, Dave Wilson out. And unfortunately, I just wish we would have had another 20 minutes at least to get some updates from Ryan Wallace there. I'm very, very, very thankful to him for coming on and doing his best to communicate and you know, be transparent. I do have probably way more questions as opposed to way less questions. <laughs> so that's um, that's tricky for me. I have a lot of questions about the airport. And 
I, in in all fairness, didn't have a ton of time to give him in regards to uh, what goals they have been achieving. But what was mentioned there, some of this had to do with airport, but then I have questions about the funding for that. Some of this had to do with Bopark. But to me, those are things that probably should have already been done or were already obligations that were maybe behind. So I know that there were some other things that they that they discussed as far as meeting some goals. I wish I would have had more time to hear from him on those because those ones didn't stand out as, as big goals achieved to me just because, I don't know, just being honest about that. I have a lot of questions about the annexation process and what that looks like. And I guess my big question, and, and we're going to find out more about this as this budget process moves on, but my big question is, is the city of Morgantown broke? I'm just going to put it out there like that. Is the city of Morgantown broke? I think that there's when we're talking about a potential of $9 million, but we don't know how we'd get that money. When we're talking about, you know, let's not forget that there's other financial obligations that we're coming up on, whether it be firefighters, whether it be some of these monies because of the Supreme Court ruling that's going to be due. Like we're talking between 500 and 600,000 preliminary numbers there. Just a lot going on. So there you go. I'm plumb out of time. Gotta go. Hoppy next. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.